You're listening to the DistressedPro.com professional interview series, where we bring you actionable advice from professionals on the front line of today's real estate and mortgage note market. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Distressed Pro Professional Podcast Series. And in this series, what we do is I interview real professionals who are out there in today's market making it happen. And today, I'm very happy to have back again, Mike Carey. Mike Carey, what's your title over there at Transon these days, Mike? Senior Vice President Hyphen Sales. Perfect. So Mike Carey over at Transon Auction Properties. Transon, if you don't know, is a nationwide network of a real estate auction and also some brokerage company. And it's who I used to work with covering the Southern New England territory. And Mike and I together, we've sold, I don't know, Mike, together, a lot of stuff. We were on a roll there for quite a few years, right after the crisis. So yeah. Office properties, condo development, subdivisions, gas stations, hotels. Remember that development deal up in the Worcester suburbs? Yes. That was fantastic. Like an age-restricted deal? Yes. That was the thing for a while. Everybody wanted you had to do these uh, age-restricted deals. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, that wasn't a good idea anymore. Turns out old people don't want to live in Massachusetts. (laughs) Turns out old people don't want to live with old people. True. True story. But Mike is probably one of the most experienced folks I know in working with institutional sellers of specifically commercial property. He's been on all sides of commercial real estate, default, delinquency, and foreclosure, sold plenty of commercial notes, has brought the gavel down for uh, commercial foreclosure auctions, has sold commercial REO for big banks, for small community banks, for hedge funds, for what am I missing? Insurance companies, probably, like virtually anyone who owns real estate or real estate debt. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. So I asked him to come on here today because if you've looked up recently, you know that commercial real estate is really weird place right now as a result of COVID-19 and uh, all that goes with that. And so I asked Mike to come on here and talk about a couple of things. First thing we want to talk about today is I want to talk a little bit about selling a commercial property at auction and sort of the differences. You know, a lot of people think about foreclosure and they think about like a courthouse steps and you you walk out there and you get $5,000 in your pocket. It's sight unseen and bing, bang, boom. And you don't know what's happened and the, the property's sold or maybe it isn't. And that's not the kind of auction that Mike runs. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and the difference of what goes into maximizing a sale, especially on a very defined time frame. After that, we're going to talk about just a couple of strategies, maybe a couple of war stories and what we're seeing right now, what Mike's hearing in the market. And so with that, let's kick it off, Mike, and tell us a little bit about if we could just start with sort of dispelling that foreclosure auction idea for anyone who's not been involved in a real sales like you do. Yeah, as you alluded to, you know, we do a variety of different things from a consulting basis to a sales basis to a brokerage basis. And I mean, our core business is the marketing of assets in less than 90 days. Uh, And our clients are, they have to have some sort of time anxiety. They don't have time anxiety. 
if you have time on your side, you don't need me. I bring no value to the transaction for you. You know, and so historically, business has come from institutional sellers who look at those things and say, look, we have a core business that's way over here that has nothing to do with what this is. We don't want to own this. Like, we want to make sure that we expose it to the market. We want to make sure we've done a good job finding buyers. And we want to use a process that helps maximize value as much as possible. And at the end of the day, our goal is to sell. I mean, all things being equal, if it's close, we're going to say yes. And so, well, that's what we do. I had the pleasure when I first got in this business of finding myself in an interesting position where we had a, a relationship with a federal lender and they had a portfolio of loans that had really been charged off, but there was collateral and personal guarantees and a variety of other things that were still associated with it. And in that, I, I literally was handed files would start basically with a title search to make sure that the, the lien still existed and find out what else was on it. And then, I mean, from there, I would, I mean, take hundreds of files and I would work down to maybe eight to 12. And then I would literally get on a plane and rent a car and I'd go drive around West Texas for a week. And I would knock on people's doors and say, hey, we, you own this asset. We have this very old lien that's not extinguishable. And, you know, the good news is somebody's here to help work it out. Some of those ended up being workouts. Some of them ended up being lump sum payments. Some of them ended up being completely dead ends. Some of them ended up being foreclosures or note sales. And with that, it was really interesting because I got to do, I mean, I, I did foreclosures in a 18 month period. I managed foreclosures in 30 states. And so I got a real understanding for the process in each state, which is dramatically different. California versus Maine to get as far away as you possibly can get. Dramatically different processes, dramatically different standard operating procedures. And what I learned was that in that process, there is some flexibility. You have to meet the legal requirements. You know, there's kind of a minimum legal requirement no matter what you do. But if your goal is to not own something at the end of a foreclosure process, there are ways that in any jurisdiction that you can at least try to make sure that you have buyers who are well-informed. I was just working on another article myself, you know, because I got a call from a, an appraiser and they said, hey, what's the discount for auction? And I hear that and it, it makes me, it just makes me cringe. You know, I'm like, I just want to like reach through the phone and strangle people. And, and I'm like, look, there's no discount for auction. Like the process is the process. Auctions, the, the auction process has been around for thousands of years and people pay, more than fair market value. I don't know how you want to define fair market value, but like, let's just to use your vernacular. I said, what people discount for is people discount for lack of information. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people can discount for cash. Sometimes people can discount for quick close. Like, you know, and as a seller, you, you know, you have this kind of like, I have these demands that are over here. These are the things that matter to me. Price is one of them. Timing is one of them. Process is one of them. And you're never going to get them all met, maybe, but probably not. But if you can get as many as you need met, then you win. And so if time is important to you, you may have to sacrifice price, but you don't necessarily have to sacrifice all the price because if you can get people information, they can be informed purchasers. If you don't have, you can't get people in buildings, if you can't get them rent rolls, if you can't get them historicals, if you can't get them environmental, if you can't get, you know what I mean? Then if, yes, they're going to discount because 
we all would discount. You don't know what you're buying at that point. And so you have to build in some concessions for the unknown. Sure. Got to price the uncertainty. And that's one of the things that I feel like Transon in particular has always done a really good job at and should take pride in is the sort of laying the information bare before all of the potential market for it. I mean, we work really hard to front load what would be a typical post contract due diligence period. Right. So talk just a little bit about that, because I think that due diligence piece is something that, you know, that really scares people. They say, well, I'm going to show up and I'm going to have to put this non-refundable deposit down. I don't get to find anything out about this sale. I don't, you know, um, but that's not really how you guys tend to operate. And that's not really how you get the best price out of sale like that, is it? No, I mean, you know, we work for the seller, we work for the mortgagee in a foreclosure situation, you know, the lender. That being said, I spend most of my time waiting on buyers, you know, and being a service person and trying to get questions answered and trying to find out what's important to them. And and I mean, I just had a transaction for a coastal property, a commercial coastal property that, that was tenanted. And this was simple. It's as simple as I got in the car and I drove to the property and I met with the tenant. And I said, look, here's the circumstance. Here's what we're dealing with. Do you want to stay? Do you want to go? What's your plan? Are you paying rent? Have you been paying rent? Oh, you're, you're withholding rent right now, but you're willing to pay rent in the future. Like, are you okay if I do some open houses? Can I get people walk through? You know, can we do these kind of things? And I mean, that was a, that worked out well. It came together well. They were cooperative. We sold it to an investor who's going to keep them as a as a tenant. You know, we had eight bidders at the auction. There are some things, I mean, I can't promise it, you know, you've been around. There are some things that sometimes you can't answer. You know, there are disputes, there are legal challenges. There's a question about validity of a lease and when it was recorded. I mean, some of that is, yep. And in that circumstance, what you do is you tell people, this is what I know. This is what we don't know. And obviously you need to prepare accordingly. Yeah. So what would your advice be to somebody who, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of family offices and different investors and folks are their ears are really perking up in especially in the commercial front these days and so what would you say to somebody who's eyeing maybe they want to get back in the game as they see prices changing a bit here and they want to contact somebody like you or they're thinking about maybe they want to bid at an auction yeah i mean I think the first piece is, as with all, all welcome to real estate, like you got to know the market a little bit. And unless you're talking triple net ground lease style properties, which is what everybody wants because you don't have to think about it, you know, and so the spreads are tight. Um, but if you're into it and looking at it, trying to find yield someplace, then you're going to need to work a little harder to do that. Uh, you're going to have to pick off some properties that are in secondary and tertiary markets potentially. And those opportunities are out there. And as we've just talked about, it's really about making sure that you're comfortable with the full picture as best that you can be and asking the right question. So you need like all good things in the world. You need a good team. You know, you need to know that you have boots on the ground that can handle real property because somebody's going to call you that the air conditioner is broken, you know. You need to know that you have a good leasing agent who can help you work through those scenarios when they come up. And you need to have good legal representation who can look at you in a practical standpoint and say, yeah, you've got risk, yet there's a lot of opportunity here and I think you should take advantage of it. Yeah. 
I think one of the biggest differences that in my experience with you and trans on team between the commercial foreclosures and those types of auctions versus the residential is the access. I mean, it's pretty rare that like, you know, we're not knocking on homeowners doors and walking people around, <laughs> walking people around the home before we foreclose on it. But that's not actually the case on in commercial real estate, is it? No, no. I mean, nine out of 10 times you can arrange for access and either you can arrange for access via legal means because you don't have the right to access or within, I mean, within the loan document, it says we have the right to access this in this case. Yeah. Yep. Or you can arrange for access by being a nice person. <laughs> That's a novel idea. <laughs> you know, and asking. And again, I mean, look, people can say no, uh, they can make life difficult, but at the same time, you know, there's something to be said for removing the, you know, I mean, you know, a good attorney will tell you never talk to your distressed borrower. Like at the same time, I mean, if you're in, if you're not a, a national lender, you have more flexibility in that process than Wells Fargo does, just to pick one. Tell me a little bit about why that is. Why do you say that? Because you're not beholden to a stock price. You're not beholden to a variety of regulators who are prepared to audit your files at any given moment and will. You also don't necessarily have the world's deepest pockets. And so from that perspective, the dollars and cents that people see when they're like, oh, I'm going to take so-and-so national bank to court, there's no purpose in taking me as an individual note investor to court, I don't really have much that you can get. And then you also have more flexibility on terms and timing, price, process, you know, some, you know, back to cash for keys, uh, reduced rents, you know, stay here and just keep an eye on it. Here's a rental agreement, you know, just let's work that out. That's the grinding work that it takes to find the extra to 10, 200%. So you're bringing a commercial property to auction. I call you up beforehand. I say, I want to buy the note. What do you tell me? I say, I love that idea, depending on the circumstance. You know, I mean, some of it's very dependent on, on who my client is. Uh, I mean, I just, you, I'm going to roll the war story. I mean, I, I earlier this year, pre-COVID, um, not quite, I mean, pre when everybody was freaking out about COVID. So it was January and February. I had a transaction going on that was a foreclosure for a mixed-use building, restaurant, and apartments, and a little bit of retail in a great city, and was actually a hard money lender that I was working for. It was a short-term loan that that, that uh, had matured and was in default. And we were approached by a, a regular bidder, frankly, of assets. And he said, hey, can I buy the note? And I said, yeah, it's an interesting question. Let me find out. And the answer eventually was yes. Candidly, there was not much discount, really negligible. Uh, it was probably as close to a part transaction as I've ever done. This note purchaser was looking, he wants to own the building. And he's now, he doesn't own it yet. It's been nine months, six, you know, eight months. A variety of things have happened since then. I don't know that it, it, with or without COVID, it would have made much of a difference. But at the end of the day, he's either going to have a very nice loan that gets paid off and he makes a little bit of money on it, or he's going to have a building that he's happy to own. And I think that's one of those lessons, too, is one of my previous lives. I was an instructor for Outward Bound, and we would spend a lot of time mapping out expeditions. And what was always great was that 
you know, you build these great plans, you spend days and days and days working on it. And inevitably, in the first 36 hours, you were like behind schedule, somebody was hurt, like, and you, so you, you got to have a plan B, like what's plan B if we can't make our marks, you know, and I think that's similar in this business is that like, what's your plan B, you know, it's great, you're planning to work this out with your, with you're going to buy a note, you're going to restructure it, you're going to extend, you're going to renegotiate interest rates, dot, dot, dot. What happens when that doesn't come together? Right. Yeah. I think that very often I get the question, what's the discount on notes? What should I, you know, what am I going to get for a discount on? I'm like, I know, or how much should I pay is another question. It's like, I don't know. And the answer is, I think, speaking to what you're talking about, is you, you really have to have sort of a, a range of, like, you have to look at possible scenarios and figure out on the real bad side, here's where we could end up. Or if everything goes peachy, we're over here. And are you comfortable sort of living in that range? Because there are going to be unknowns. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I do a lot of work for bankruptcy trustees and they have the weirdest stuff to sell. Sometimes I don't do much of that, but there are, they have uh, some buyers who, who will buy almost anything at equity, receivables, 10th of a share of an LLC. I mean, just weird stuff, judgments. And the folks I know that are buyers of those things, my experience with them is that they diversify. They just have enough balls in the air at any one moment that like when they pay $5,000, $50,000, $500,000 for something, that they have enough other things going on that if that thing ends up being a total dog, they're like, well, that's okay. We lost on that one, but we made you know, we did great on Apple. And so like our stock portfolio is still fine. And that I, I think that that business premise of making sure that, you know, if, if your access to capital is $100,000 or $100 million, you don't want necessarily to put that money all in the same spot. Yeah. So go buy as much as you can at 20 grand, you know, each. So you mentioned hard money lenders. You mentioned private investor a couple of times. I wonder if we could just kind of touch on maybe a couple of strategies that you've seen from the kind of folks who you're doing some more regular business with. I mean, there's the institutional seller side, right? But then there's all the guys, gals, funds, firms who are buying that stuff. Talk a little bit about, and I know you and I have been involved in with folks with a number of different strategies, but maybe just touch on kind of what you're seeing a little bit these days, if you can. Yeah, no, I mean, all sorts of things. I mean, just overall, I will say that there, there is no current wave of distress hitting my desk, our desk from lenders that we usually work with. That's interesting because I have seen way more emails in my inbox <laughs> from you lately with sales include you have a big net nationwide sale going on as we speak right now isn't that right what we're experiencing in the we always you know we always experience fourth quarter bump no matter what like that is normal it's a normal part of our business unfortunately it's not as predictable as anybody would like but it exists and it usually happens then we're also there was a variety of distress we had our busiest first quarter from a distress period this year then we have in the previous four, maybe five years. Pre-COVID, pre-lockdown. Pre-COVID, exactly. So pre-COVID, there was more on the books from banks, pure banks, community and national banks, 
than we had had in many, many years. So to me, that was it was pretty clear that there were some deals hitting skits. Then COVID came in, and then it was really a pretty hard stop for 60 days. A few things have trickled through since then, mostly smaller commercial and mostly things that are essentially jingle mail. They're, the borrowers just, I'm done. I'm not coming back. Like, clean me up. And that has, I think, stockpiled into what you're seeing now from an advertising and marketing standpoint, the properties that you see out there. The other piece that, just to talk about that, the other piece that we're seeing is that a lot of our clients are not banks right now. They're other, the other, you know, whatever you want to call them. Private equity, some direct owners, some estate stuff, all of that stuff is trickling up. And that's partly people trying to read crystal balls and saying, this market feels too good. It feels like the right time for me to exit. Part of it is just demographics. It's just the age of people. You know, I've owned this thing for 20 years. I don't want to own it anymore. My kids don't want it. And I'm ready to to get out. Yeah. We know defaults are soaring and all that. And that leases aren't being paid. And I know you don't have a crystal ball, but presumably at some point, someone pays the piper. Isn't that right? And when uh, do you have any sort of feel for from, I know you're probably on the phone with workout folks all week, you know, banks all week, every week is just not hitting their desks yet, or it's all on pause until they figure out what's going on or what's happening with them. Uh, Yes. So, I mean, some of it is simply just pegged to the fact that even from a commercial standpoint, people are kind of benchmarking the Fannie Freddie, you know, moratoriums just so that they don't end up you know, being massive red flags out there. The other piece is that all these, I mean, most of the COVID forbearances expire next week. Right. And I know from talking to, I get better information from creditors' rights attorneys because they're in, they get the initial update. Here's what we need you to move on. Here's the files, dot, dot, dot. And they're, so they're probably, depending on the jurisdiction, three to six weeks ahead of of engagement of of me. And so they're indicating that there feels like less patience for the lender side. You know, that is, hey, you had your time and we're ready to give you more time, but why? Give me a reason. Because at the end of this, if if you can't hit me a 10 week cash flow that's starting to show some improvements, we're gonna have some problems. The other piece of that is that I think for a note investor in particular, it's an interesting moment because my sense is that there are what we would call kind of small business balance loans, not like small business administration loans, but under a million dollar small business loans that there are gonna be some business owners who look at that and say, I'm not ready to write a check for 10,000, 100,000, a million dollars in order to bring myself current to sign another note to whatever. I'm 63 years old and I've done okay. My retirement's kind of okay. I don't want to dig another hole. And I think that some of those folks, they will just exit their industry and say, I'm done. And 
is lenders who won't want to necessarily work out, they won't want to take all those things to foreclosure. And so I think that there are some, you know, that's, that, that may be low hanging for folks out there to say, I can go in and grab these things. It's basically an asset purchase and I can own the note. I can foreclose. I can own the asset. I can improve it. I can put it on the market and I can sell it. Yeah. So I know we had this slotted for 25 or 30 minutes. So I just want to say, let's talk about who can, who should be in touch with you? Because I think there's sort of a variety of folks, maybe commercial brokers, certainly, right? Maybe you talk about how you might work with them. And if you're a lender, if you're a note investor, if you're a buyer, how should they get in touch with you? And how do you work with those folks? Yeah, I mean, so we do a lot of referral work for commercial brokers. We also do a lot of joint ventures with commercial brokers and everything from you know, full on deal splits to, you know, simple, hey, I have a lead for you. And if it ever comes through, what let's let simply send me a percentage. Sure. And that's nationally. You work with all the time. Yeah. I mean I'm do, I'm doing I actually have three transactions right now that were all referrals from from brokers. Yeah. on which they get paid when they close. Yeah. I mean and, and typically I mean just from that perspective, I you know, I say look before you do that Either A, if you're getting signals from your potential client that there's a real-time anxiety here, like it's time we should think about working together. Two, before you do that massive price reduction or take the offer from the invest the local investor that everybody knows will buy anything at some price, like we should talk. I mean, we have had what's interesting is the response to properties is still astounding. Astounding right now. There's a lot of cash out there still. A lot of cash out there still. Yeah. Now you're probably, I'd imagine, smelling a little blood in the water. I mean, that's the feeling anyway. Yep. Yep. For a note buyer, I mean, one of the things just to, to roll back is, I mean, you'd asked about, hey, I want to buy the note. Can I do that? I mean, if you want to be a note purchaser, pick up the phone and call the person that's that's listed on the website and say, I want to be a note purchaser. You know, there are quite a few lenders who will exit. There are some who, by the time they get to that process, are like too late. Marty, I mean, so it's not worth the time to negotiate, try to negotiate a no deal. And unfortunately, they've also been around the horn enough with people who are like, oh, I'm, I'm a note buyer, you know, and then, you know, they come back and they get an offer that is, I'll make it up. It's a hundred, it's a million dollar asset. And they get an offer for $135,000. And you're like, no, like, come on. Why do we, 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 we thought we were real, you know, and then as a note, purchaser who's trying to work out assets sooner rather than later, typically. The initial call is really a, a consolation, not a consultation. And so we're always happy to just try to impart whatever knowledge we have. You know, I've been doing this for 16 years and I love meeting new clients, but I like keeping clients better. And so historically, my repeat client is almost 90%. We do a bunch of one-off relationships, but a lot of our businesses repeat. Uh, and so, and that's resounded in the fact that somebody calls and says, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. I've got a guy who will do this, or we can move toward a liquidation. How am I going to do with the liquidation? And my answer is, I have no idea, but let me tell you what I think. Right. So how should folks contact you if they think it's appropriate? You can always find me on transon.com. That's with a Z, T-R-A-N as in Nancy, Z as in zebra, O-N.com. My email is mcarry at transon.com. My last name is C-A-R-E-Y. My mobile number is 207-776-1936. And it unfortunately is always on. That's bold putting that number out on uh, 
the show because we reach a number of folks. So, <laughs> so thanks for doing that. And yeah, and if you're a buyer, don't be afraid when you see that auction listing to reach out and, and have a conversation. I really can't emphasize that enough about how good a job Transon does, like laying out all the information they have for you. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to feel blind and scary and great unknown. If you're out there shopping right now, pick up that phone and they'll walk you through the, the whole process, help you get comfortable with how to buy and what it all looks like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. No, I mean, that's what, you know, at the end of the day, that's how we uh, make transaction fees. So I'm happy to do it. Yep. All right. Thanks, Mike, for being here. So Mike Carey from Senior Vice President of Sales at uh, Transon Auction Properties. It's awesome having you on here again. And uh, maybe we can talk after Q1 and we'll see uh, what's happening then. I imagine it's going to be a little bit different story than it is here at the beginning of Q4. Just a guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not predicting. How about that? Okay. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, this is Breck Palumbo, founder of DistressedPro.com. Are you ready to take your real estate or note business to the next level? We'll show you how to start sourcing discounted and distressed off-market deals direct from institutional sellers. Visit GoBankDirect.com today and learn how to take control of your deal flow and profit in any market. Go now to GoBankDirect.com.